Hey there, and welcome to Oh Shit, I'm the Boss Now, the podcast that's all about helping you navigate the sometimes terrifying and humbling journey of becoming the boss your business needs you to be. I'm your host, Jackie Koch, and I've been in the trenches building, recruiting, and HR programs for over 15 years. From hiring to firing and everything in between, I've seen it all. Technically, I have an MBA, but I can say with total confidence that I learned more about scaling teams working in high growth startups for the last seven years. This podcast is not going to bring you corporate red tape or high level theory. It's more like a fireside chat with your friend. You know, the one who always tells you the real hard, honest truth that's sometimes annoying. That's going to be me from time to time. We'll dive into the real talk about what it means to lead, to manage, and to build a team when all of a sudden you look around the room and you're like, oh shit, I'm the one in charge. No BS, just actionable advice and stories from people just like you. So whether you're a seasoned entrepreneur, a newbie boss, or somewhere in the middle, oh shit, I'm the boss now is your go-to source for insights, inspiration, and the occasional, well, hopefully more than occasional aha moment that'll make your journey smoother and more successful. So grab your coffee, your notepad, or just sit back and enjoy the ride because together we're going to tackle the challenges, celebrate the victories, and learn from the mishaps we all make. It's time to step into your role of boss with confidence, grace, and for the love of God, a little bit of humor. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Jackie Coke, and today we are continuing on a conversation that we started, gosh, two episodes ago about the different types, just basically getting your HR foundations right. And we started by talking about really why you as an entrepreneur often put this stuff off. You feel like you're too small, it doesn't matter, or perhaps you feel like you have time to deal with it later. There's a lot of reasons why entrepreneurs put it off. And we kicked off this um, podcast series talking about that. And then we went into what's most important, like what are the things that you need to do to make sure, what are the most important things that you get, right? And I, and the most important things, I guess I, now that I'm saying this, I don't know if I would say those are the most important things, but those are the legal things, right? So those are probably what you feel are most important. And they feel like just baseline must-haves, must-dos to me. They don't even feel like the most important things to get right. They're just like baseline table stakes to have employees. And so we went over what those are and what you need to look at as you're assessing your business for a great foundation. And what I wanted to talk about today are I want to break down the most common areas of team and people and HR that you really need to think about as you're really setting up a team and creating a business that employs people. And I'm going to call them areas. If I was talking to a fellow HR person, I'd say function, but I'm not going to say that to you because we try to keep it super not corporate here. So let's call it them areas for sake of this conversation. And when I think about this, when I'm working with clients and just as I'm honestly thinking about building up my own business, there's really, let's see, there's one, two, three, four, five common areas that you want to have some things right. So best practice areas. 
So these are taking things a step further from what you need to do from a legal perspective and really breaking them down into, okay, I know I'm following all the laws. Like, how do I make this a really great, or at least I I know I'm set up in the right way. I'm hiring people right. I have the right stuff in place to, to know that I'm following like the bare minimum for some of these requirements. How do I make sure I'm getting the most out of my team? How do I make sure that I'm creating a great place to work? How do I know that I'm covering myself? Should I have to make a like a firing decision? What if I have to let someone go? How do I know that I'm doing this in the right way? And I say right way because or following the rules. And there's not really rules. I feel like when you typically talk to HR people, they're going to be like, how do I make sure I'm following the rules? Or am I allowed to do that? And there's really not rules. There's just, I guess, rules of thumb or best practices. And the reason why you want to have these best practices in place depends on what category it is, which we'll go into. But it's essentially, you want to make sure that you are doing everything in your power to treat people well and to to make sure that you can show that you gave people a chance, that you were clear with them, and that you were making decisions based on objective reasons, not opinions. You want your decisions to be made on facts. And the more that you can show that when you do have to make difficult decisions in your business, the better in case somebody tries to to sue you for some reason. And it's just like the right thing to do. You want to create a great place to people for people to work. That's the bottom line. When you have a great place that people want to work, studies show that your business is way more successful. You're able to scale a lot quicker. You get much better work output from your team when they're happy. So all of these best practices really help to start to create that. Now, there's entire fields of careers dedicated to this. So are you going to be able to do every single thing that a 20-person human resource team at a corporate company does? No, but there's some basics that you can do that probably are going to be more effective if you're a small business owner because you can actually implement them. So that's what we're talking about today. In a long-winded way, that is what we're talking about for today's episode. So these five best practice areas are hiring, for one. The second is performance management. The third is onboarding and offboarding employees. The fourth is benefits, perks, and compensation. And then the fifth is team operations or business operations best practices is what I call it. So let's start there. Let's start with the team operations and business operations best practices. So what you want to think about, these are just some, for lack of, I know you're listening, but so we're going to call it bullet points, but just some different things to think about as it relates to your overall team operations and business operations. Like how does your team work together? And yeah, we'll say that. How does your team work together? So You really want to, the first things you want to do is come up with your company's mission and vision. Have you created that? Have you created a mission and vision? Mission and vision can be the same thing when you're small, but have you done that? Like, why are you in business? I I definitely have podcast episodes about this and have referenced this a lot in different things. 
So that would be the first thing. And then the second thing is, do you have goals for your company? And do you have goals then that ladder down to your employees? Does each team, does each person have goals for the next quarter, for the next six months that la- that if they achieve them, you're going to move the needle on your business's goals? So those are super critical things to get in place and to do very quickly because without that, you're not going to be able to set the vision for where your team is going. You're not going to be able to set performance expectations for what they need to be doing. It's going to be really challenging and you're always going to feel like, I don't know that my team feels like they know why we're doing this. And they, the answer is they probably don't because you probably, if you haven't taken the time to, to share this and create this for them. So those are super critical things to put in place. The next thing is to create standard operating procedures for all areas of your business, SOPs in the biz. <laughs> and that's really just documenting how you do stuff. It's lit- it is so much more simple than you think. And I think at least this is my own personal experience. Whenever I left a company, I always left a company. It was always more work to leave than to to even onboard because I cared so much. I cared so much about what I created. I cared so much that the things that I created kept on going. They lived after I left. And so I would create these, these so many videos, how-to guides. I created, I, God, I wish I could remember the amount of pages it was, but I think it was like 75 pages of how to do everything. So it was like, how to do payroll. If somebody requests time, or if we make a change to a time off policy, if we, how to do a new hire review process, how to do a performance review process, like all of that stuff was documented. And I had this idea because I started to make it. So I like, I knew I was leaving and there was a transition period of, I don't know, two months maybe. And so I was like, okay, how do I start making this? And so I was like, I can't believe I don't have any of this stuff documented right now. This is super annoying. And so then I was like, okay, I know in the next two months, I'm going to have to do all of these things. So I'm just going to film when I do it. When I had a process payroll next, I turned on Loom and I filmed it. When I had to do something else next, I turned on Loom and I filmed it. And so then during my last two weeks before I was about to leave, I had all most of the things done because I started doing it as I was doing them. Have your teams start to record on Loom how they do stuff and just create very simple basics on how to do everything and have it live somewhere. There are so many creative ways on where you can put this. Actually, the girl, Abby, who edits my podcast, has a brilliant idea where she has them all in an Asana board. So she has videos and how-tos as like a ticket in Asana. And then whenever there's a new hire, she like can just make a copy of that so that they get it. So there's so many ways you can do it. That's one way that she has and she just told me about, which I think is amazingly smart. But you want to create those things. So you want to create a mission. You want to create values. You want to create goals. Oh, I didn't say values. That was the next one. You want to create core values that you want for your business or you want your team to have. And the core values are so critical because they help your employees opt in to you, opt out to you, same with your clients. So you want to create core values. And then you want then you want to think about things like, do you have an HR platform that you're using to house all of these things? There's so many inexpensive ones you can use. Definitely consider that if you have over three people. 
And then do you have an employee handbook? Do you have policies crafted? Those all fall into team and business operations. And then one I don't think I mentioned on the last episode is, do you have the right labor laws? And are they available to your team? There are labor law posters, I should say. That is a rule. You need to have labor law posters depending on there's federal and then there's state. So everyone needs the federal ones and then everyone needs the state specific to where they live. If you're remote, they have to be accessible for them online. If you're not, they have to be posted in a place in your office that employees frequent. So often like in a break room or something like that. So that is something you need to do that probably should have been tacked on to the compliance stuff of the last episode. But hey, there you go. So those are some of the initial best practices to put in place when you're starting to think about building a team, right? And super critical to do. The next episode Or if you just Google on our podcast, you can find an entire episode dedicated to what is an employee handbook? Why do you need it? What are some of the policies you should have? What's the difference between policies and laws? All of those things. So that's going to be a whole podcast episode. So that is the team operations and business operations funnel or aspect. The next one is hiring best practices. And I say hiring because I think it is the most important thing you do in your business for when it comes to people, because if you have the right people, you can usually get through anything. If you have the wrong people, it's very challenging. And it's not about the people. It's about how much time you put into creating the process to make sure you find the right people is really what it comes down to. So the best practices in hiring are creating a consistent hiring process with structured interview questions. Lots of podcast episodes about this. But a consistent hiring process just means everybody, you have a pre-planned interview process whenever you go to hire somebody. You think about it before you start meeting them. You know there's going to be three steps. I'm making things up, but let's say there's three steps and there are set interview questions that you ask every single candidate that hits that stage so that you are being objective and eliminating as much bias as you can in your hiring process. So you want to have a consistent hiring process with structured interviews. And structured interviews are asking the same questions to every single person. Is the conversation going to flow differently with every person because they have different backgrounds? Of course. But you know that you ask about previously. You're asking about the same things in every interview so that you can clearly and objectively compare and contrast different candidates you've met, match them up to with match them up to what success looks like so that you're making a good hiring decision. And then the second part, the second best practice to have in place when it comes to hiring is that you have a way to track applicant processes or like status where they're at in the hiring process so that you know that you're getting back to people, you know you're not missing people, and you're housing all of the interview notes that that you take on them because you need that stuff. Just wanted to take a minute and remind you that having your people operations and systems rock solid early on will not only save you money and resources, but will help you build a thriving and highly effective team much quicker. And guess what? We've got your back. My company, People Principles, has an incredible toolkit shop where you'll find everything you need to get your team on the right track. And more importantly, get all of your team operations, and people operations on the right track. From hiring your dream team to navigating those tougher moments like terminations, we've got the resources that'll make it all easier. 
With our toolkits, you can dive right in and start implementing best practices today. You get straightforward and actionable tools, tips, and the templates to implement immediately. So head over to our website, peopleprinciples.co forward slash toolkits, and check out all the toolkits today. Stop the endless Google searches and chat GPT promptings and get the tools you need built by us, HR experts. I actually just got out of a lawsuit with a client who she was in a claim for some for a wrongful termination and they wanted to see all of the people that she interviewed when she decided to backfill that job. And so even though it was like a different job she was hiring for, they needed to provide any of the interview information that they had from four years or three years ago during that time. And so you need to have that. Now, I don't remember. I think it's three years. You have to keep all of that information for a certain duration per law. I think it's three years. But the longer you keep it, if you ever run into a problem, you can prove you you have that as proof that you were doing things right and that you did what you are telling them you did because you have that as proof, right? And so one of the easiest ways to do that is to have a process where you track all of this information. It can be a homegrown applicant tracking system in Google Sheets, in Asana, in ClickUp, in any project management tool you use. We created one in Airtable before. Um, you can also get one for really inexpensive um, there's a bunch of, if you look up applicant tracking systems, just Google that, you'll find a, quite a few. A lot of them are starting to exist now because it's such a problem area in people's business. So a best practice is to get one of those in place. So those are the hiring best practices. There's, a, again, a bunch more. There's building an employer brand. Like you could take everything so much further, but those are really the core ones that you want to do when it comes to hiring best practices. And then the next one is going to be performance management best practices. And performance management is not just firing people. <laughs> it's not, it, it's a whole, it's how you set them up for success. It's how you give them feedback, positive or negative. It's performance review processes. It's need, like regular one-on-ones. It's also development of your team. Like performance management can be a ton of stuff. And so putting some thought and care into how you are going to do that for your team is critical. So having regular one-on-ones with them, what is that cadence? Establishing what that is and establishing what you're going to do, what the purpose of them is and what they're for your business. We have podcast episodes that share like what we think are best, but you want to craft what's best for you. You also want to have a process for where you document conversations you have with your teams, your team members about performance, good or bad. Good because you want when you go to write a performance review or you're going to give them a promotion, you want to be able to look back and be like, oh, yeah, six months ago they did this. Oh, yeah, that one. So you want to have good stuff in there as well. And then you also want to make sure you're documenting the conversations you have that maybe are more critical or more corrective in nature. And so you want to have a process for that. Simple ways to do that are there's a lot of simple ways you could create an employee log in a Google sheet. You could create a form for yourself, like a form process that you have bookmarked of documenting it where one of the drop downs is per employee, like their name. And then whenever something happens, you just drop it in there and then it goes into their file. There's a lot of simple ways to do this. 
very scrappy. Or you could just get into the process of every time you meet with somebody, you follow up with an email and then save those emails in a folder in your inbox. You could get real crazy and zap those into things and make them go. There's so many ways you could make this more automated, but you might not want to do that. It could just be on one of the easiest ways I have is every time I had a meeting with someone, I'd send them an email like following up from this. Here's what we talked about. Reminder, like you did a great job on this or we discussed you were going to do this by then. And then I just would put it in a folder in my inbox. And that was the easiest way to track it. But now that I'm thinking about it, I think the form suggestion is a really good idea. Do that one. And then do you have a process for doing performance reviews, regular conversations about reviews? I The more frequently you do them, the better, in my opinion. But you want to make sure you have a process for doing it. And it doesn't have to be hard. It can be, I've said this at so many times on the show, it can be a start, stop, and a continue every month with your team. And that's it. Like it doesn't have to be this very long two-hour process for every single person um, every single month or every single quarter. It can be pretty quick. You just want to do it and have it in writing somewhere that you did this, that the employee also acknowledges. One thing I will say is that I've had clients who, because they feel uncomfortable having the conversations and giving the feedback, they will send an email to, to me saying, which is fine. It's good. It's a good thing. It's it's better than nothing, but it's not what you actually want. So they'll be like, hey, FYI, I spoke with so-and-so today about yada, 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 yada. That's great, but that nowhere does it actually show that they actually knew it. So the best thing would be to send the email to the person and then forward the email somewhere if it needs to go somewhere. You want to make sure that you can show that they knew you had, without a doubt, they knew this, right? Where if you're just saying, hey, I had this conversation with some somebody, how do we know? Not to scare you, but those are just best practices, right? Not a law, not a rule, a best practice. It also, not only does it cover your butt, but it also makes sure that they are clear because I hate to tell you this, a lot of you really suck at giving feedback or you beat around the bush. And the person might not actually have understood the feedback because you weren't really good at giving it because you felt uncomfortable. That is not me throwing shade at you. It is uncomfortable when you first start doing these things, right? But if you follow up in an email, then you can make sure it's clear and they can ask questions. and You can make sure there's clarity around what you discussed. So don't shy away from that because it makes you uncomfortable. You're doing them a favor. If, they're, if they don't improve and they're going to get fired, you're doing them a favor that to make sure that they know if they don't approve, they're going to get fired. Like you're being nice. You're being nice. And then the last thing is if somebody is not performing in their role, what actions do you take? And best practice is it's consistent for everybody. You want to make sure you're doing the same process when somebody isn't performing as you do everybody else. Now, if somebody does a blatant violation of some sort of rule, can you terminate them on the spot? Yes. But you want to make sure you're being as consistent as possible and treating everybody the same because that will help your, that is just the right thing to do. It's also helps you cover your butt if you ever run into a problem where somebody thinks that they were wrongfully terminated or not treated well or, or what have you. So those are 
performance management best practices that you should implement now when you're small? Are there a bunch of other ones you could do? A hundred percent, but these are the basics. These are what you can start to do. It already feels like a long list. Imagine if I rolled out every single option you had, right? Okay, so then I want to bump over into talking about onboarding and offboarding best practices. You want to create a new hire training process for your employees when you're onboarding them. You want it to help them learn about your company, learn about your goals, learn about your mission, learn and also clearly share what you expect of them. What things do they need to learn in order to be successful? And what are different milestones? What do you expect of them in their first 30 days, 60 days, and 90 days? Create something like that. So all of your new hires, you go over it with all of your new hires on their first day. Also get into the habit of doing a, a little bit more of a formal 30, 60, 90 day review. Those are the most critical times to really assess how somebody's doing in their position and in their new job. So a 30-day mark is just a check-in. A 60-day mark is a check-in with a little bit of feedback. A 90-day review is more of a review where you give them feedback, you hear from them, you set up goals, all of that stuff. And if you're having these check-ins along the way, 30, 60, and 90 days, you're going to be having people opt in or opt out. Obviously, you want people to stay. That's why you hired them, right? But there will be times when it's not the right fit. And so if you're doing some of these things by 90 days, it's very clear to them and to you if it's a good fit. And then you can have a conversation around. But if you're not doing this, all of a sudden six months goes by and you're like, oh my gosh, they're not doing their job or they're not doing as well as I thought they would. What do I do? And it's because you didn't have a process like this. So this is a best practice for doing or for onboarding new people. And then when people leave, one of the best things you can do is do an exit interview with them so that you're getting feedback about what it was like working for you, what you can do to improve. Now, if you're small, people are probably not, it's going to be you, the business owner doing this. And so you're going to get jaded information because people may or may not feel comfortable telling you everything, but it's at least worth talking to them about it and getting their honest feedback so you can learn and not get defensive on the things you learn because there's truth in anything that you learn, right? They're experience of working with you is their reality, whether or not that was what you think it was or what you intended for it to be. There, there's something to learn around, okay, if that was their experience of working here, how did I not create an environment that I intended to, right? It's like it's a great opportunity for you to get curious about it and have a conversation around it. So that is onboarding and offboarding best practices. For offboarding, you also want to make sure you look up the rules for final paychecks. And if any like paperwork that's required by the state to give to people on their last day, and then also when you have to give somebody their final paycheck, and if you have to pay out any of their accrued vacation, you want to look at that because every state is different. That's another kind of compliance thing versus best practice, but good to know in case you didn't. And then benefits, perks, and compensation best practices. You want to come up with a way and a plan and a process for how you establish salaries, how you decide to pay people. And you want there to be a consistent way that you do that. So that could be looking at compensation, like 
doing a little bit of compensation analysis around what other companies in your industry in your area are paying, or it might just be based on your revenue sizes. Like it might just be based on your internal information and that's okay. You just want to make sure that you're having set ranges and a clear way that you could just, you could tell somebody, this is why I chose to pay this job this. And it's not, well, that's what they asked for. Like you want to have um, a set way that you do it and a set way that you establish these things so that you are setting up fair and equitable pay across everybody on your team. You want to look at that. You want to make sure that the, if there's people doing the same level of job and same job, that they're getting paid fairly closely in the same reason, the same way. And so setting up compensation bands is pretty important, actually. Also, as we start to move into this world of pay transparency, which is people have the right to look at salary ranges in a lot of states, people can be like, hey, I want to know what the salary range is for my job. You have to provide that to them in a lot of states. Same with on-job postings in a lot of states now. And I think that's just going to trickle down everywhere. I actually don't think it's a bad thing, if I'm being honest. It makes everything so much easier for everybody. This is one employment law that I don't actually hate. I think it forces you to get very intentional and very honest and very transparent as a business owner on how you're establishing compensation so that you're treating people fairly and you're also having the conversations up front and not just waiting until one of it's like this recruiting is just so irritating when it comes to compensation because you feel like you're like in this negotiation of who's going to throw out a number first and then where am I going to respond after that number and it's just like is that really how you want to go into working with somebody just share what you can pay they like what you have to offer and move on. Like, I don't know. That's my opinion, but I digress. So first best practice in case I've lost you is to establish compensation ranges and a, a way in which you establish your salary ranges. The second best practice is to have levels to that. So if you're a small business, you might just have three different job levels. So you might, and I, I know I've done podcast episodes about this, but Maybe there's entry level, mid-level, senior, and manager. So there's four levels of, of jobs in your company, and there's ranges for each of those levels. Great. Done. Simple. And why that's helpful is that then you can take that a step further and be like, okay, let's define what success looks like for entry level. Let's define what success looks like for mid-level. And then you can create little rubrics and little development plans going back to performance management, you'll have that. Those are going to be tied then to your salary ranges so that as your team is wanting to grow and develop, you're like, okay, you're at an entry level. You want to get to senior. This is what we expect of people in our senior level. This is where you're not meeting those. Let's create a plan to get you meeting those, right? That is a best practice and that is how they're woven together. And then you definitely want to create some benefits and hopefully paid time off. Paid time off is a biggie. Doesn't actually cost you that much money out of pocket. Benefit, medical benefits is becoming a necessity. And then any other benefits that you can offer. So you want to think about what benefits perks can I provide to my team? And if you're small and you can't offer a lot of big ones, I do have an episode about that. I know I keep referring to myself about all these episodes, but I've done a lot of them about this. But 
there's a lot of different perks you can provide that aren't just some of like retirement or 401k. Not all of you listening to the show are in a position you can do that. And that's okay. There's other things you can do as well that are more meaningful. Okay. That is all of them. Those are the best practices. I'm sure there's other things that I didn't fully vet out in here, but these are the basics as you're thinking about, okay, I'm meeting all of the laws now, rules, so to speak. What do I do next? Those are the things to do next. In case you forgot, there's five different areas of best practices when, at least that I think about when I think about building my, out my HR staff. And it's hiring is one. Actually, one is team operations and business operations. And these are in order of what I think you should do. Second is hiring. The third is performance management. Fourth is onboarding and offboarding and then benefits and perks. So the last four are all at the same time, but those are the five different areas. So thank you so much for tuning in. The next episode is going to be all about how to develop an employee handbook, policies you should have in there and why it's useful. And then we'll round it out with what to implement first, where to go next. So excited you're tuning in and thanks for wanting to be a good boss. Folks, that's a wrap for today's episode. I hope that you found our discussion valuable and insightful and you are inspired to go out and be a good boss. Just wanted to take a second to remind you that staying compliant with all HR and legal stuff is crucial for your business's success. And if you're wondering about your HR compliance or want to make sure that you're implementing some best practices, I got something for you. If you go over to my company's website, peopleprinciples.co, there is a free compliance and best practices checklist waiting for you. It's right on the homepage and it's like having a mini HR audit at your fingertips. It's literally what we do with our clients when we start working with them. So go ahead and check it out. You won't regret it. You're going to learn a lot of stuff about what you can do better and what you can fix and what you can start to implement. So head over there and get your checklist. Thanks for tuning in and we'll catch you on the next episode.